Hello and welcome to the All Plane Podcast, here with the people that are redefining the future of commercial aviation. And as usual, before I introduce today's guest, let me remind you that you can find all the previous episodes of this podcast, as well as many other aviation stories, on the All Plane website. That's allplane.tv. A-L-L-P-L-A-N-E TV. This is the third episode of our series about airlines and technology that is produced in partnership with CETA for Aircraft. So, is it possible to track an aircraft at all times during its flight? If you, like me, enjoy spending time on flight tracking apps, such as FlightRadar24, you are surely aware of the gaps in coverage that exist in some areas, such as oceans and sparsely populated regions of the globe. But, well, one might expect airlines to have access to more powerful means to track their aircraft, particularly when they have many of these aircraft spending hours over flying such regions. And yet, Incidents like the tragic disappearance of the Malaysia Airlines flight MH370 in 2014 made it painfully apparent that this is not always the case. The good news is that there are technological solutions to solve this issue, the tracking of aircraft. And in fact, ICAO, the International Civilian Aviation Organization, will make it mandatory, starting in 2023, to make the position of every commercial aircraft known every 15 minutes. So today, to talk about aircraft tracking technology, we have on the podcast Albert Dominguez. Albert is a product manager at EWAS Dispatch, a software developed by CETA for Aircraft that helps airlines track their aircraft at all times and, in combination with other software solutions, can also help them optimize their flight paths. With Albert, we talk about how flight tracking technology has evolved historically and the different technical aspects involved in maintaining constant communication with aircraft that are thousands of miles away, flying tens of thousands of feet up in the air and close to the speed of sound. So, Tune in for an interesting conversation about this often underreported but very important aspect of airline operations. Hello, Albert. How are you? Hi, Miguel. I'm fine. Thank you. And you? Very well. Uh, Good to see you again. Uh, This is not the first time that um, we meet, that we speak, because we have uh, coincided in the past in uh, our professional lives in, in other aviation projects and um, yeah when we were both in working in, in completely different yeah. different endeavors but um, you are now um, product manager at CETA for aircraft you are yes. product manager for two products called EWAS Dispatch and Flight Tracker that we're gonna uh, explain now what they are uh, but the name uh, kind of give them away a little bit um, we're gonna talk today about how to track aircraft and all the technology that goes behind this, uh, this task. Uh, but yeah. first of all, uh, let me introduce you. Uh, well, actually, it's better if you introduce yourself and uh, you tell us who you are, what's your background. I will start by saying you are an aerospace engineer and you've been working in, in Toulouse, uh, which is uh, Europe's uh, aerospace capital, uh, also in Hong Kong for a while, working for tech companies in, in, uh, in aviation um, before joining CETA. But tell us a bit more about yourself. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Well, first of all, yeah, pleasure to be here. And thanks, uh, Mikel. Indeed, it's not, not the first time we meet um, for different things, but always around aviation. But it's good to, to, to see that aviation is sometimes a, a small world. Um, yes, um, so just a bit my, uh, around myself, 
I'm an aerospace engineer, as you said, uh, lived in, in Toulouse and Hong Kong for a while. I have always been working in, in, in software solutions, let's say, or, or technologies for, for aviation, for airlines mostly. And around a year ago, moved back to my hometown, to Barcelona, to work for uh, CETA for Aircraft as product manager for of, of US Dispatch and Flight Tracker. Um, I'm a passionate of, of aviation, of course. Uh, that's, uh, I guess, needless to say. And then uh, travel, of course, which is also around aviation, is, is one of my passions. And, and some, some sports as well, uh, especially water sports. And I've been I've been uh, at that um, two months ago, so that's a new passion as well. Oh, congratulations! I have now. Thank you. Thanks. Very good. So um, yeah, um, so he was dispatch and flight tracker. I mean, this name flight tracker kind of um, gives it away a little bit um, because it, those are basically products that help airlines uh, track the position of their aircraft. Uh, wherever they are in the world, right? And uh, here I would like to introduce a topic that was a, in the in the headlines for, for quite prominently for quite some time ago. Um, that's around the time that um, the the sad disappearance of uh, this Malaysia Airlines flight, the MH370, which mm. still hasn't appeared um, because it, that's basically an air, aircraft that basically Boeing seven uh, Boeing triple seven that disappeared kind of out of thin air, literally. And there was a lot of debate about how to make sure that aircraft are tracked at all times. Um, we have tools now like um, Flight Radar that uh, track a significant number of aircraft, but of course there are, there's no coverage everywhere. Um, and there's a number of technologies that can make this possible. Um, I have to say I'm, I'm very ignorant about this technical side of how to track an aircraft. So that's why, you know, I think it's, it's great to have you here to, um, to shed some light into this topic, um, to understand a bit better uh, where are we coming from, where are we now in terms of technology. Uh, in terms of tracking aircraft and, and what are the different factors that are driving innovation in this space. So basically, um, what, so when people think about aircraft, they tend to think, well, yeah, everything is being controlled at all times. But I mean, then, then the, this Malaysian case showed that actually that's, that's not the case or that was not the case. So can you tell us a bit more about what, what's the status of technology in this field? I mean, where, where are we coming from and, and where are we now in terms of airline tracking, air, aircraft tracking? Exactly. It can seem, it can seem very, very basic uh, when you say about aircraft tracking or aircraft positioning. It can seem like um, it's, uh, it should be very easy for airlines to know where their own <laughs> aircraft are. Um, but it's it's actually not not as not as is as basic, but and it's not as easy to to uh, to know where where the aircraft are, uh, especially when they are in some areas exactly that are away from any coastline and that are at uh, at uh, thousands of feet um, up in the air, right? So, um, just uh, uh, like to do a bit of history before, like in the let's say in the early in the 60s or 70s, um, aircraft were were not. Uh, properly tracked or the response there was no responsibility for the airlines to track their aircraft it was more on the country on the ATC the air traffic control um, of each country to track the aircraft that were in their uh, airspace but um, the tracking capabilities were very limited so basically um, the, the air traffic controls ATC 10 centers they had radars um, but radars that basically are 
um, just as any other radar, they, they uh, push a frequency and the frequency bounces on, on an object that it should be an aircraft, but sometimes it could be like, uh, uh, like a strong thunderstorm or, or another object, right? And then the, the frequency comes back. So then in, in the radar, they, they see the spot and they know how far it is and in which direction. But this was very basic because they, they only uh, knew there was, a, uh, there was an object, but they didn't know exactly what it was. And even if it was an aircraft, they didn't know which aircraft was it from which airline, um, which was the flight number. They didn't have any information, just that there was something there. Then they were communicating, of course, by radio frequency or, or um, to the, with the aircraft. So they, they were speaking with the pilots and they had to put together the communication, like what the pilots were telling them and and um and what they saw in the radar and try to guess like which aircraft was which right according to the information they got from the aircraft itself and and the radar so this was uh very basic but it how things worked and and most of the times uh worked well then uh so things improved especially what what improved it was the equipment that was um in the aircraft that was on board um so so newer equipment was developed and it was equipment that was able, um, able to transmit um, the aircraft position uh, through another um, frequency, radio frequency that uh, was lately called ADSV. So through that frequency, aircraft were, were proactively emitting their position, broadcasting it, let's say, but not only their position, but also their identifier. So their flight number um, and, and some other information, right? So. And uh, sorry, um, yeah. if I can inter interrupt you here one second, uh, uh, the ADSB is it the technology that is used by uh, uh, flight radar uh, exactly. twenty four, for example? Exactly. Uh, so you have like a whole. Uh, in this case, it's a, it's a whole community of of volunteers, right? That exactly. uh, that have these um, receptors that can can mm. get the signal from the exactly. aircraft. In, there, in are, a, there are basically two big communities in the world, Flight Radar and Flight Aware, and they both work in the same way. They ask people um, <laughs> that normally volunteer to put antennas on their um, on their houses <laughs> on the on roofs, and these antennas will. So the aircraft are are continuously broadcasting this information. So the only thing you need is a ground antenna on this same frequency and protocol uh, to catch this information and then to send it to, for example. Uh, for flight radar, all these volunteers around the world, they have their antennas on their roofs and then they are transmitting the data back to uh, flight radar headquarters, let's say, where, and then they, they display it in their website and so on. Mm -hmm. All this, it's, it's community-based and anyone can do it. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, just, just, have, just must have this technology. Uh, and this, the AD, um, ADSV, is, this signal is used as well by the, let's say, official air traffic control as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's exactly the same one, um, like the same protocol. So, so, and the same antennas. Yeah. So mm -hmm. this, this of course covers mostly like it depends on, on the community. Uh, but m most of the world today, uh, it's covered by people who has, who have their antennas and who can, uh, like who broadcast the information. Mm -hmm. However, um, it, it needs to be, so these are ground antennas. So of course, Lots of places uh, around the sea, around the north or south poles are not covered or maybe even in some less populated areas like big deserts um, and so on. These, these, these places are not covered by uh, ground antennas, what we call terrestrial ADSV. 
Mm -hmm. And then what comes into the equation, it's a satellite ADSB. So these are, so the same, the aircraft, in the aircraft, nothing changes. The aircraft is just broadcasting his position, uh, its position. But here it's this, it's satellites in, uh, out in the space that are taking this position and sending it back to earth. Here, mm -hmm. uh, of course, it's this, this data normally it's much more expensive, of course, because it needs us to send satellites into a space to, to, um, to really uh, read these positions, but uh, it covers uh, the whole world. Mm -hmm. This is quite recent though. Uh, the satellite ADSB has been there for a few years and it's getting more and more commoditized, but it's, it's a thing of, let's say, the, the last decade. And who manages those satellites and this uh, satellite link? Because as you mentioned, I guess there, there are some costs involved. Mm -hmm. And how, what's the value chain here? Who, who, manage, who, who pays this cost and, and who manages okay. this, this communications link? So the value chain for the, for the satellite ADSB, there are different companies, but uh, less than a handful. And, and the, the biggest one, the, the most well-known and the first one which started, it's called Arion. These are, these are private companies basically that, are, that, um, that have this as a business model to, um, to buy satellites, to send them into space, to collect this data, and then to sell this data back to airlines, uh, airline providers, or what we call ANSPs, which are basically uh, the air traffic control from each customer or it's air navigation service providers, ANSPs. So mm -hmm. all these clients uh, in the aviation world buy this data from these private companies that operate the satellites and collect the data. So they collect data through a satellite, data that is being broadcast by the aircraft um, through, a, let's say, an uh, in an automated way, so they they are beaming this information, and and these satellites have the capability of 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 gathering this data, and and then I guess then, kind of quote unquote reselling it to uh, exactly. to different yeah. actors in in the aviation supply chain. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then there is something I uh, read about, but I'm not sure how it works. Uh, and there's the ICAO, that's. Um, International Civilian Aviation Organization uh, ruling uh, that I yeah. think that came out right after the Malaysian uh, the Malaysian Malaysian aircraft disappearance yeah. that uh, makes it compulsory to uh, broadcast uh, this tracking information this tracking signal every 15 minutes. Yeah. Uh, that uh, that's why it's called a 15 minute rule i think a 15 minute mandate yeah uh but what does it entail is it really like every aircraft that is flying in the wall has to be broadcasting this data every 15 minutes um how does it work hmm. the the aircraft so yeah it works in the like in both sense the, the aircraft are are broadcasting this information but this even happened before the the problem is that if even if aircraft are broadcasting this information if no one is 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 reading it and so this like um yeah we cannot ensure that all aircraft are tracked so basically this mandate is on the air it's from ICAO on the airlines and it basically says exactly that the airlines have the responsibility to track their own rare aircraft so they are responsible for their own rare aircraft um at least uh, one position every 15 minutes and then 
it has other specificities in case like the aircraft is in distress or if there's any incident, then it must be in a higher frequency one, once every minute because the aircraft has had some kind of, of emergency. This is a mandate on the airlines, but it's also uh, a requirement for the aircraft manufacturers to uh, build the necessary equipment to fulfill these requirements. So um, modern aircraft um, have already these capabilities, but uh, this is a mandate also that all new aircraft have keep having this, these capabilities. Mm -hmm. and, and this data has to be tracked by the, by the same airline that is operating the aircraft? Exactly, exactly. Uh -huh. The airline has the responsibility to track it, yeah. And in practical, terms, in practical terms, how this is done? I mean, is there like, at every airline, is there a person that is responsible to track this data or a team of, of people that are tracking this? Is it, is it done automatically mm -hmm. or is it outsourced to other companies? How does it work? In practically, normally, uh, most of the airlines, uh, they, they have their own um, OCC team. O OCC stands for Operational Con Operations Control Center. So the, the famous like mission control like we see in NASA where, where they launch, uh, mm -hmm. when they do a launching, is the same for airlines. They have a, a mission control or operations control center where, uh, where someone or, or, or many people um, track, monitor the aircraft on the flight. They're not... In some in smaller airlines, it will be the same person who prepares the flight, so dispatches the flight um, mm -hmm. before and then monitors it during the flight until mm -hmm. the flight has arrived to the to the gate. Uh, yeah, I was about I was about to ask that. It's like yeah, for like large airlines that have hundreds of aircraft, let's say in American Airlines or mm -hmm. Southwest Airlines, British Airways, that obviously they it's kind of logical to expect that but what about these all these very small airlines that sometimes have one two three four five aircraft uh do they have also people tracking like all the time most of these airlines like uh surprisingly yes they, they still have maybe just one person and it's the same person that prepares the flight and that tracks it but um this person is responsible of the flight since uh since the dispatch let's say that the flight planning till the flight has landed and they still have some there are some very, very small airlines, and now I'm now in particular on one aircraft, mm -hmm. that they do not have this capability because, of course, you would need, you need at least someone to be there 24-7, right? Uh, like, mm -hmm. to have a, a shift. So for some very small airlines, they outsource. And we are seeing in the market new companies that are kind of creating this service of um, outsourcing operations and also flight planning. So... All this is outsourced uh, to external companies that have their own people on 24-7 and that will dispatch, so do the flight planning and also monitor the flights. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's interesting. Um, what about the commuter airlines, um, small, local, very local, regional airlines, uh, even executive aviation or general aviation, do these rules apply to them as well? These these rules, um, I think, only apply to um, to commercial airlines, so to airlines that are transporting passengers uh, or cargo for business. Uh, so it it would it would not uh, like apply to private aviation, but or or um, or general aviation, but it would apply to business jets or business aviation because um, there's there's a there's a, um, an exchange the, of money to okay yeah so consider commercial yeah. operation. Mm -hmm. and rules apply to them and mostly they they do have the same uh, services sometimes it is um 
it is very basic. It's just looking at the flight flight radar um, mm -hmm. uh, website, but do they do have these uh, requirements as well? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I guess. Well, if if you are operating in a kind of like control airspace, uh, it's it's easier than if you have to to cross these uh, oceans and poles and all these exactly. regions where there is little coverage of, of radar or, or, or ADSV uh, exactly. volunteers that are <laughs> yeah. tracking it. Um, then, yeah. well, for these cases, you have like a third source of, of, info, of aircraft position, let's say, which is Acres message. Um, An Acres message, well, it's something that um, it's a... It's, uh, there are two companies in the world. CETA uh, is one of them uh, providing these, these services to airlines. And these are basically messages that are sent also via radio frequency uh, from the aircraft to the ground and, and back. However, these are private messages. These, there's a private connection between the airline's offices or the airline servers and the aircraft. So it's not broad, um, publicly broad, uh, broadcasted. Mm -hmm. like the aircraft. This is a private message that the aircraft sends to the airline's headquarters, to the airline ground server through a radio frequency, and it's, it's, it's called ACARS. And these messages that they also have, there are several types of messages, but one of them is position. So the aircraft can send their position through ACARS messages in some of these areas that are not covered by terrestrial ADSV. Mm -hmm. How you spell it? It's A-C-A-R-S. Okay. And that's an automated uh, system. Exactly. Yeah. This, uh -huh. this is something that, uh, so um, these are some messages that the aircraft can send. Um, one is position, but the aircraft can also send um, engine reports or APU reports. They usually also send the, uh, the fuel amounts. They usually send also the triple OI events out of, on, and in the, the, the four events of a flight when the flight leaves the gate, takes off lands and arrives into the gate all these type of messages are sent through this um communication which is uh called acres okay and so the this tracking uh tracking technology i guess it's it's becoming more accurate and it's becoming more let's say reliable mm -hmm. uh, you are one of the players in in this space uh you obviously you manage um a product, two, two products actually. Uh, you will tell us what's the difference now. A flight tracker and EWAS dispatch, um, both uh, made by CETA for aircraft. Uh, what can you tell us about this, about the state of technology at the moment, and, and particularly uh, the, the products you manage and how, how do they work and, and what is the, um, in practical terms, what, what do the operators, uh, how do the operators manage them? Mm -hmm. the, yeah, now, so this world is becoming more and more of a, of a red ocean, of course, because um, it was a bit basic and, and it was not, uh, and, and that's why, yeah, there, there was an accident and, 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 and this mandate came. Uh, uh, sorry, by red ocean, I guess you're making a reference here to the blue ocean, red ocean. Uh, exactly, yeah. competitive uh, framework. Yeah, just just a note in case people are not not familiar. There was this, I think, this very famous book. I don't remember the author called the Blue Ocean, which is uh, yeah. basically when when you have a a new entirely brand new market opening up because of some technological change or some societal change, and 
And um, there, there is, I, I don't remember exactly the whole theory, but it's basically there's basically all, all the field is open for, for new entrants, okay. right? To, to establish their position and, 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 and carve this market. And, and a, red, a red ocean would be when things are already more, more settled, right? And, and there's already uh, several operators uh, who are established in that market. Sorry, just a, a, a parenthesis just to, because I, I found the reference quite, quite interesting to this blue ocean, yeah. red ocean. Yeah. It's not an, even aviation reference. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's for business in general. It's not, exactly. not just aviation indeed. So, um, so, yeah, so I would say then, like uh, taking still this reference, it was more of a blue ocean uh, like uh, around 10 years ago, but it's becoming more and more a red ocean with a lot of players in the market, with lots of providers um, that found that, and especially when the requirement came, right? See, if, if our airlines are required to track their aircraft, they must have a tool to do it. So, uh, more and more companies have developed their own flight tracking tools. The technology is is quite advanced now that we have satellite ADSB in place. That um, there's acres, there's terrestrial ADSB. So there's really multi-source for position. Um, there are many ways to have a backup um, and and to be able to track. So all the solutions in the market um, have like fulfilled these minimum requirements of of. Um, mandated by ICAO. So now the the game, let's say, it's more on the extra features on how, apart from tracking these aircraft, uh, what other tools or features you can provide to the airlines um, that make your tool more attractive and that will help uh, them do other other things that they have to do during uh, the flight monitoring process or the flight tracking process, some other tasks that they have. How can you help them? And especially if there's any incident or any distress, how can you help them manage that situation um, as quickly as possible and as efficiently as possible? And how can you help them? So how <laughs> how does it how does it uh, how does it work? I mean, you have um, you actually have two products in this in this yeah. field, right? One is Flight Tracker, which, uh, if I understand correctly, it's a legacy product. Yeah. Um, and then you have EWAS Dispatch, uh, which is uh, is basically your your um, so your flagship product in this in yeah. in this space. Um, let's say I'm an airline. Uh, what do I need to do in order to to implement this uh, and and to make it work? And and what are the benefits it it brings about? So, regarding like first about the the implementation part, let's say um, if if an airline is acquiring um, this tool, what they have to do first is to um, do some kind of integration. So ADSV data, it's public and, and, and this is broadcasted by the, air, by, by the aircraft. It's uh, collected by different operators like FlightRadar or FlightAware and then um, it's sold to, uh, to the third parties. In this case, the airline does not require to buy this data we buy it from them um, and already it's already integrated in the system. So that's not something, that's something that we already uh, do directly with the ADSB providers. Uh, what we do require is to implement the, the flight plans because airlines um, want to compare where the aircraft is and, and where it should be according to the flight route. And, and also in terms of fuel, like how much 
fuel does the aircraft have and how much it should have according to the flight plan, right? So um, what we do is to integrate with, integrate with the aircraft uh, airline, sorry, flight planning system and to get the flight plans from their flights. So we can really show them the plant and the actual uh, state of the flight. And um, we can also warn them in case there's something unusual, some unusual event or some incident or distress. Uh, in that regard, um, there is, just wanted to introduce a, uh, a mention to uh, another episode of this podcast where I spoke uh, with a colleague of yours that uh, we talk about the EWAS, um, the EWAS pilot product uh, that it basically helps airlines avoid adverse weather, extreme weather events. Yeah. Uh, how does it connect one with the other? So like, like when you mentioned these unusual events, I, I imagine weather must be one of yeah. the expected ones. Is, it, is this something that, what, what's the link here between EWAS Dispatch and EWAS Pilot? And are you using the same technology? Do you need to have both to be able to, to avoid these extreme weather events? Or what can you tell us here? So ideally, I mean, Having both is, is of course better, but uh, let's say, let's put an example to, to see how, how this works in flight. Um, if the aircraft, let's say the aircraft takes off uh, um, and after a few hours in cruise, it's expecting to go through a thunderstorm. The pilot, uh, if he's or she is using EWAS pilot, they will see this thunderstorm ahead of them. They will see it also when they are really close, uh, when they get closer in the aircraft radar, because in the radar, we could see the thunderstorm, but they will see it earlier if they have the application, if they have the weather forecast. Um, they could see it earlier and they could see it also um, more accurate. They could see the whole turbulence area and not only the range of the radar. But at the same time, on the ground, someone from the airline is tracking that aircraft. And, and that person in, on, on the ground is also seeing on, let's say now, it was dispatch, um, where the aircraft is and where the turbulence is. And they will see how the aircraft um, is gonna cross that tur that turbulence in let's say an hour or two hours from now. Um, there could be some communication here or not. Let's say if it's a small turbulence, uh, the pilot will make a decision to go around the turbulence on on one side or on the other side, um, and will not communicate with the dispatcher at all at all if there's only a small avoidance and a small deviation from the route. Right, the the dispatcher will be alerted that the aircraft is deviating from the route, but he will understand it's for the weather because he will see it on the screen and um, he will, there, there will be no communication at all, most probably in, in, smaller, in small events between the pilot and the dispatcher, but they will both be aware. However, if there's a big, um, a big event that the pilot has to uh, go around, in that case, there will be some communication about the dispatcher and the pilot because probably the flight must be deviated. They have to decide uh, on which way they should uh, go around the uh, the event, the thunderstorm or turbulence or icing area. Um, and there's probably even a diversion if that's around the destination, a diversion to do. So they will have to decide together to which um, airport they, they should divert. This communication, um, it's usually, it would be done through uh, free text messages through text messages if the situation is not critical and they have time to deal with it or it will be done by phone by satcon it's like a sat satellite cone uh, call um, and they will talk 
um, and during this discussion, they will decide together how to which is the best option they have uh, to react to that event. Mm -hmm. So in in those cases, the the pilot would be talking direct with the dispatcher at the at the airline control center. Yes. Not with the air traffic control. I mean, he would be talking to air traffic yeah. control, but Both. separately in a different exactly. different communication. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. But th this requires um, this requires uh, some sort of link. Uh, so you're you're feeding new data all the time uh, during yes. the time the aircraft is in flight. So yes. it requires some sort of data link that has a capacity to to handle this information, right? Uh, what what does it involve in 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 terms of equipment? In terms of uh, I, I are all aircraft capable of doing this, or this depends on how new they are? Uh, do they need to be retrofitted in some way? So for the air, for the acres messages, because finally when when they will be talking to each other, sending messages like an SMS, let's say, but mm -hmm. through, this will be done through acres as well. That technology I talked about before. And all all commercial aircraft around the, the the world now that are still flying have have this capability of sending acres message um, for a satcom communication. So doing a, a satellite call uh, from the cockpit to the ground, this this would require satcom capabilities. And not all aircraft, most most of aircraft, I would say, a big part of them have have so have satcom equipment, but not all of them. Well, but um, I was I was thinking in also in, in your your system and and the and then the, the sort of data it, it provides right on a on exactly. a regular basis. And in our system, yes, the so in the ground there's there's um it goes just through through internet um on the on the airline uh, offices, but in the air to have weather updates it will require um, internet connectivity as well. So only a few aircraft today, I think it's around ten percent or fifteen percent have in flight connectivity. Um, and only those will get weather forecast. However, the, the pilot, so um, they will still be able to use, for example, it was pilot, they will still have the weather, but the last forecast they will be looking at, it will be the one that they received just before takeoff. So mm -hmm. there, must, there, there could be um, a difference in what, what the dispatcher sees on the ground and what the pilot sees on the air if they don't have in-flight connectivity. Okay, but that that would be to get, let's say, more um, the last more more rich data like uh, weather events and all that to 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 do the tracking. Uh, do they require any uh, any connect uh, well like any internet connectivity, or they they would do it just with the, uh, as you mentioned earlier, all these these beaming uh, systems. Yeah. With with that exactly, and, and onboard GPS would would be enough. So mm -hmm. they don't require any internet connectivity. And and that comes already with the avionics installed exactly. by the OEM. So there there exactly. there is no need. So you basically you provide you provide the let's say the the software platform to to manage this data, but you don't need to do any retrofitting in the aircraft to to, exactly. to be able to use it. Yeah, that's correct. Mm -hmm. And then all all these. Um, all this information, this, this tracking data, I don't know if that, that could be then used uh, at a later stage to do some sort of um, routing improvements or hmm. issue recommendation, navigational recommendations. Uh, hmm. is, is this something that people do when they have access to all this um, tracking navigational data? So normally, yes. What they, but then 
when, when we talk about this, which is like post-flight analysis, uh, another type of data comes into the game, which is uh, QAR or FDR data. QAR instead in, in, um, stands for Q, Q, uh, Quick Access Recorder and FDR for Flight Data Recorder. Um, and they are both, both use, used equally but, and refer to the same thing, which is basically the, the famous black box. So there's the black box of the, of the aircraft, right? In case there's an incident that records hundreds of parameters every second. Um, this is much more than, than position. So for tracking for ADS-B, let's say there's only the position of the aircraft and the speed and, 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 and the identifier. For FDR, we have hundreds of parameters. We have engine temperatures, we have uh, aircraft position, we have um, lots of data. And during the flight, we don't have access to this data because it's being recorded only in the aircraft. And, um, but when the aircraft lands after the flight, um, if we want to do post-flight analysis, we can download this data um, through physical download or the newest aircraft, they have wireless uh, download. So the aircraft arrives into the gate. This is wirelessly downloaded into the airline servers. And then they can do a post-flight analysis for rerouting or for any navigation purposes with this data rather than tracking. Uh, because yeah, it's much more, it's much richer in terms of frequency and in terms of number of parameters. And that's that analysis is something you you guys do as well with your system. So that would be something up to the airline to do. That would be that that's something that the airline does, but also through normally through external providers that collect this data because this data is decoded. So it's something that CETA does also, but through other tools. Uh, we mm -hmm. have a, a tool called uh, Data Hub that provides this. Um, uh, capabilities, but it's basically yeah some things that airlines do, but normally through a third party as well through other providers. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, you mentioned at uh, your could be a, full, a full podcast, <laughs> I guess. Oh, mm -hmm. uh, th there could be a full podcast on on this as well on post flight analysis. Yeah, yeah, that's a good, that's a, that's that's a good idea. That would be a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, definitely. Um, another question I had is. Uh, Similar to the weather you mentioned, uh, you mentioned on, on your, your website, you mentioned also uh, airports, the conditions at airports. Mm -hmm. So that's something that you also provide updates on to, to the pilots. So what are the conditions at the destination airports or any diversionary airports where the, the aircraft might be ending up? Yeah, yeah, we provide this information to both pilots and 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 dispatchers and and people in in the OCC. Um, and here we have so the observations which are called uh, METER, uh, which is like the meteorolo meteorological aerodrome reports. And then we have the the TAF, uh, which are the forecasts. So uh, for usually for the next eight to twelve hours. So we both. Um, have the uh, or import uh, the observations and the forecast for all airports uh, around the world, all airports that are publicly available uh, and published, and and exactly, and we provide these uh, condition uh, meteorological conditions to the airlines, uh, doing of course some analysis as well because these are uh, messages that are kind of encoded and they are well known for uh, aviation and in aviation and pilot, but not for everyone, so. We do some uh, decoding. We apply some rules as well. The airlines can have their own rules. Some airlines um, will have different thresholds, uh, like values at which they decide to land or not to an airport. And these 
really depends on, on the airline's policy and SOP, which is uh, standard operations procedures. So we can apply these rules into the meteorological conditions and let airlines know if those airports are suitable according to their own policy or not. Mm -hmm. And this is worldwide coverage as well. And that's worldwide coverage, exactly, yeah. Okay, so you're combining here information from, from many different sources, I guess. Uh, I mean, uh, your colleague from uh, US Pilot told me, yeah, you have different weather providers, I guess, uh, airports. Yes. Uh, you're also sourcing from airport providers or, from, uh, sorry, airport operators or? This is usually from, um, from authorities, um, mostly the, the FAA in the, in the US and um, Eurocontrol here in Europe are providing this information. Um, basically, airports provide this information to authorities and then authorities uh, make it uh, available to third parties through a web service or an API. So this is public information. It's paid by all of us flying. We, play, we pay the airlines. The airline pay overfly or airport charges, right? Uh, taxes. And, mm -hmm. and finally, and this is paid by us, Uh, it's a service that that we pay as as tax or as charge, and then that it's made available to to any uh, aviation um, mm -hmm. business. And uh, the EWAS dispatch product is it sold as a is it a, sold as a software as a service? So airlines subscribe. It's like a subscription that then they get access to to all these services to to manage this information, this data. Yeah, exactly. The application it's 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 sold as a software as a service with a with a uh, monthly or annually license fee, and then exactly and with all the principles of a software as a service, the the airlines uh, use this tool for their day to day operations, and then uh, the application keeps being developed. So um, new versions between two or and four new versions every year are provided to the airlines with new features that they request. Uh, Or, or, or any new um, data that it's being implemented. So mm -hmm. it's part of, of the package, yeah. And, and having access to that, uh, then they would make them compliant with these ICAO rules, I guess. Uh, how, how is this compliance monitored, by the way? Is there, like, is there some, some inspection that they say, are, are, you, are you tracking every uh, position every 15 minutes? Uh, hmm. what, what are the practical aspects of the ruling? So the, the ruling was, was um, created many years ago, but it will only be in place like a, um, it will only apply from 2023. So ah, okay. So it's not, it's not yet in place. It, it's it's just a, it's a recommendation for now. Well, I mean, it's a time or there's a time horizon. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. There's a time horizon for airlines to comply with. Uh, To be honest, like most of the airlines already comply, and and since a few years mm -hmm. already comply, but but the mandate is it's to um it's to be in place in 2023, and and from then so so right now because it's uh it's it's not uh, officially in place, there's no been um monitoring, but the monitoring we expect uh as as any other uh, side of the business, it will be through audits, I guess, by the same organization by ICAO. Um, I guess airlines will be audited, and then. Uh, software providers, so us in, a, in in this case, will be audit, audited as well um, to verify that the application is compliant with this mandate. Um, mm -hmm. This is why we store uh, historical data, so all the flight, all the past, the historical flights or past flights, 
um, data is stored um, up to three months and then stored in, in, in other databases for, for longer uh, for these kind of audits or reports. Mm -hmm. It's stored by you, huh? Yes, okay. by the, exactly, by the provider. Okay, so airlines have about one year, one year and a half to, to get ready for that. So I guess you, exactly. you're going to be busy the next year. <laughs> Every, exactly. ev everyone that hasn't, hasn't taken care of this yet is going to exactly. have to rush to get something in place exactly most of them they have done their homework and and, and also like it has some benefits to track right and to you can really optimize your operations and not only comply with the mandate so most of them and and all the the big airlines of course have done their homework but uh i'm sure like everything in life we will have some some people going at the at the at the very end uh, yeah. So yeah i guess we will be busy still <laughs> so for those people that want to learn more about that uh where should they go so if they want to uh, know more about that, we have a, in our public website, in Incita website, we have, a, we have a place for the solutions where we have the details and we have um, some materials that they can download to know more about, about the solutions themselves. And, and then, of course, like uh, I would say the next step after that, it would be really contacting us and, and, and yeah, getting further information from, from ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I uh, was taking some notes here. During during conversation, and I'm gonna be I'm actually gonna be researching some of this stuff because I, I as I said at the beginning, I'm, I I realize how um, I'm quite quite ignorant about all these very practical aspects of of uh, commercial flights, and that's a great opportunity to to get up to speed. And I'm gonna be posting as well some some links to these uh, so these international frameworks and and technologies that we we've been discussing here today. Well, thank you so much, Albert. It's been, as I said, a great, great opportunity to catch up on all these topics, uh, very important topics. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we were able to, to reconnect in, in this rather, uh, you know, um, original way here doing a podcast. <laughs> exactly. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for being today here on the show. Thank you, Miguel. And, and yeah, glad to talk to you again after some time. And yeah, thanks for, for this opportunity. Pleasure. Before you go, and if you like this podcast, a quick reminder that it would be absolutely great if you could please give it a rating on Apple, Spotify, or whichever platform you are using, or recommend it to a friend or whomever might be interested. Thank you very much, and see you soon. Yeah.